Hi, I'm Jen Naughton, and this is Bookish Society Secrets. In case you stumbled upon us, here's the sitch. We give you the inside dish, spoilers included, about the latest and greatest new books for kids and teens. Because I live by the mantra, so many books, so little time, I'm using this corner of the internet to boost authors and their stories. Hey, everybody. I am here today with Joe Knowles, who is the author of Where the Heart Is, and she is one of my favorite authors, even though her books are very few and far between. You always make us wait, Joe. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Sorry, sorry to make you wait. I'm a slow writer. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's part of what we should talk about today because not only is it the speed of you writing, but it's the uh it's the slow speed of publishing sometimes too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I sold a picture book like a few years ago now and it still won't be coming out until next January. So that picture books, especially are are just really, really long. The waiting game, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that on Edelweiss and I, I didn't get approved yet, you know, but I, uh, I looked through like those sample pages and it looks like an awesome read aloud. It is, oh, thank you. I'm so excited. Yeah, Galia Bernstein is the illustrator and she, I just love the illustrations. They're so whimsical and the, the animals are just so cute. And the way that they embrace each of their individual dances is just, I don't know, it's just perfect. I, I'm so happy. I can't wait to have a picture book. It's my first one. So it's a whole new world for me. And I'm really excited to be able to go to schools where there are younger kids and I get to read that yeah. book to them and get them all up and dancing and stuff. I think it's going to be really fun. Oh, that will appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to bring music with? Um, I, yeah, I don't, thinking? I don't know. I mean, it's the, the picture, this is funny. It's, it's very sing-songy, the text is. And I, so I don't really know that you necessarily need music, but I was thinking I could get the kids kind of creating their own little sing-song lines to. Oh yeah. So we'll see how it goes. I've, I've got to work it out still, but I think it's going to be really fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, I was already thinking about using it. I have like a kindergarten, like picture book club. And mm-hmm. I was thinking how you could assign each kid to be like the different animal, you know, yeah. like let them choose. That would be so cute. Yes. And then have a little parade of all of them doing. Oh my dance. gosh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're on the same page there. I'm like so excited. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It looks so adorable. It's like already on my like must, must buy list. Oh, thank you. So, well, okay, wait, I have a question about picture books. Is there really a, I've read that there's like a word limit. Is it really 500 words? Um, no, well, that's what you're, that's what like they the, tell you. The rule of thumb is to try to keep the text as short as you can. Right. Okay. There are plenty of picture books that are almost more like you would call them a storybook where there's a lot more text. Okay. So there's always exceptions to the rule, but in general, you're trying to keep the text limited because really the text is the, the artwork is really telling the story too. And you don't want the text to be doing, to be redundant. Yeah. 
So it's it's a very different way of writing and thinking, really, because you're you suddenly realize if especially for people like me who are used to writing novels, you don't need any description. All the description is gone because that's used in the illustration is there. It's showing the description. So, you know, you're really getting down to the bare minimum in terms of the story. So, but no, you can go over 500, but it's just sort of the general rule of thumb is to try to keep it in that sort of five to 700 range. Yeah. And then do you get any input on like the illustrator or they just match you with who they think is going to be the best? So it's different. Every publisher has a different process for that. For for can't my book is oh the title is earworm in case. Oh yeah, we should say that. <laughs> I'm I'm a bad promoter. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm terrible promoter. Um, so and it's with Candlewick Press, and the way that it worked with Candlewick is you know, once they bought the manuscript from me, they asked if I had like, do you have any dream illustrators you'd love to work with? And so I, I gave them a few names. And then my editor got back to me and they didn't, they, they explained why they didn't think my choices quite worked with the text. And now I I see what they meant, but um, she gave me two illustrators that they were looking closely at. And she said, you know, gave me links to their portfolios so I could look at their artwork. And she said, do you have a preference of either of these two people? And honestly, I loved both of them, but um, there was something about Galia's work. I just loved how she did her animals, especially. Mm And so I said, well, she's my first choice. And I guess at that point, then they reach out to her first and see if she's available. And she was. So, yay. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious because I don't get a lot of picture book authors on here yet. So I'm like, I have a lot more questions about that process. Well, the other thing that's really interesting is we don't really communicate. So once the author, you know, has the manuscript has been finalized and approved, then it's really kind of just out of your hand and you don't really have any input on the illustrations or anything like that. At some point, the editor will send you the um, sketches and you can read them for, you know, any inaccuracies or just making sure there's no problems with it. But for the most part, you, the author and illustrator, if it's two different people, don't really communicate with each other. So it's a little strange. It's a different, it's a very different way of working, but you just have to sort of trust the publisher and the art director and the people involved that they are doing all the things they, they think are best for the book. And yeah, and they did. It looks amazing. I mean, I only saw four pages, but I'm sold. So that's, that's good. I'm so happy. Yeah. Um, and Galia's other books are awesome too. So I, I recommend checking her out. She's yeah. I, I need to uh, go over, go on the internet and like click her name and, and find out what else that she's done. Cause they just look so cute. Yes. Yes. I want her to, I, I want them to be like stickers and every possible. Oh my gosh. And stuffed animals. Yeah. <laughs> or as the kids call them now, stuffies, as I'm told. Yeah. Stuffed animals is like, you know, my generation. Right. Mine's too. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about middle grade because most, most of the authors I interview are middle grade because that those are the biggest groups I have. And mm-hmm. I love middle grade because those kids have time to read. 
<laughs> you know, like high schoolers, they will like to read, but they have like a heavier workload. So they don't, they can't whip through the books as much, I think, uh, yeah. as middle grade. That's so sad. But I know. Probably. I know. I don't like it, but it's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. But middle grade is like just so fun. And there's so many different genres now. I feel like publishing has like, I mean, not only the whole, like, you know, getting like, you know, diversity involved and own voices and all that, but just there really isn't any plot that's off the table at this point. I know it's wonderful and very exciting. I I mean, I, I love that all of this is still so popular there's, you know, we authors have so much to compete with, with tech, you know, all the gadgets and yeah, like, all that stuff. But, um, you know, kids, we all, not just kids, we need stories and we find them. We somehow find them everywhere, but luckily their books are still very accessible to the, the audience that you're referring to. But I mean, Stories, stories, stories. They're a part of our life all the time, all around us. And I wish more people found them in books. <laughs> I know. But, but, you know, they are everywhere. I know. Half the time I want to hand adults middle grade books and be like, read this and get some empathy, okay? <laughs> I know. I, I feel like we should ha- make a book list for Congress and make them all read certain books. Maybe they, they'd be a little kinder. I don't know. I know. Because people are people and we all are, you know, everybody's going through something. And that's that's what I love about middle grade is that if you know, if kids have um, a good teacher or a librarian or, you know, their parent, somebody in their lives that can point them towards books, you can find a book now for like anything that kid needs to read. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was promoting when Where the Heart Is first came out a couple of years ago now, um, and I was going around to schools, I told the story about my life because this is very uh, this book is very autobiographical I too went through uh, some economic hardship when I was younger and my parents our house was foreclosed on and we had to move out of our house and um, I tell I try to be really honest when I'm talking to kids and telling my story and offering them hope because look I'm, I'm fine I, it's, it's okay um, but anyway one of the things that I love about meeting kids and talking about those issues is afterwards some of the kids most of the kids shuffle off and go back to class and that's it you know thank you for coming but some sort of hold back and get in line they want to talk to you and one of of these boys he he was so adorable he came up to me and he he said uh, Ms. Knowles I've been through some hard times too and it seems like you could really use a hug. Oh, <laughs> give me a hug. And, but this is what we're talking about with empathy, right? Yeah. That kid felt it. He, not only that, he took it upon himself to offer comfort. You know, it was this, the sweetest, um, yeah. you know, most selfless moment. And it was, I remember, I'll always remember it. I'll always think about it when I'm writing about topics, because sometimes, you know, people will say, you're writing this middle grade book and it deals with, you know, death or um, you have a gay character or whatever the issue is that they think kids are not ready to read about. And it's like, no, 
they are ready. And yeah. not only that, they need these stories. They need them. They're experiencing them in real life all the time. I mean, kids are experiencing far, far worse than anything I would ever put in a book. And we've got to start acknowledging that. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, the for kids who are going through hard times, they find themselves in these books. They feel less alone. They feel seen. They They're glad that somebody understands what it's like. But also kids who have not experienced any of those things yet, like we, you know, we keep going back to this empathy part, right? They now, they now get, you know, like, oh, I heard about some, this thing happening to my friend. Then they read a story about it. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize how awful that must've been for him. And they get a deeper level of understanding and compassion for each other. And, um, you know, like we said, that's just so important. Uh, yeah. Because think about as, as connected as we are through the internet, through this new modern, you know, world we have of Zoom and everything, um, kids still only know what they know, right? And they know what's happening around them. So maybe in their town, there's a lot of unemployment because factories are closing or whatever, right? Maybe some kid in the inner city is dealing with racism every day. Now, the kid from the more rural town, like doesn't really know anything about racism right Mm -hmm. but they should like each kid should be reading about things that are happening in other parts of even of the world right um there's a great book it came out a few years ago uh escape from aleppo and it's still one of my favorite middle grade books because the beginning of it is like a family like you would have in the United States and they're checking Twitter and they're checking Facebook and they're planning a birthday party. And, you know, here in America, we think of other parts of the world as like, well, everything must be totally different there. Right. But in fact, it just was like this everyday family. And then suddenly, you know, their house is bombed and they've got to take what they can grab and leave. And, you know, then kids could really you know, get a picture of what that must be like. And yes, it's sad and, and terrifying, but, you know, I think you need kids to know, you know, to know about things that they are not going to experience because when they're adults, they need to have empathy for everyone. And you need to be electing people that also are going to have empathy. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, the other piece too, is that like, I would, I would prefer my kid read about some of these experiences in a book before experiencing them. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that's another reason to have books like this where kids can, you know, talk about what happens in the book and explore, you know, ways that the main character got through a hard thing, you know, and what they would do or how they would help a friend or all just, I mean, the possibilities are endless, but so much better than being completely sheltered and then having something terrible happen and having no um, tools for dealing with that and, and being really traumatized. Not that they might not be traumatized anyway, but I'm just saying like, right. understand what it means when something bad happens and that, you know, they can see how someone survived something. Right. It offers a lot of hope to, to kids. I think it just makes life not seem so hopeless because as you get older, you just realize how many bad things happen. Yeah. You know, you're not like, you're not as sheltered 
And I think right. kids today are even less sheltered because we don't even know how much they're reading when they're on the internet by themselves. Yeah. So, and you know, no matter how many, how many things you do to try to keep an eye on them, they really have access to everything at this point. Well, especially now when yeah. so many kids are doing Zoom for school and they, you know, it's, it's just there, they're on the computer. So, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we should have done this at the beginning. So why don't you tell us about where the heart is? Give us like a little synopsis. All right. Um, where the heart is, is about, uh, Rachel at the beginning of the book, she has just turned 13. It's the first day of summer. She's all excited because it's summer and she doesn't have to go to school and her best friend lives down the road. They're going to, her plans are to have this great summer. But at the same time, her parents are starting to have a lot of financial difficulty. So she gets her first summer job working at um, this farm across the street from her, taking care of various animals. And I, this is actually based on my first, one of my first summer jobs as a kid. Um, and so there's that piece of the plot. And then the other part is her best friend, Micah has a bit of a crush on her. He always has. And Rachel just is really questioning her own identity and whether or not she is attracted to boys or girls or she doesn't really know. And, um, but she does know that they will be only friends and that causes a bit of a rift in their friendship for a little bit, but that, Oh, maybe that's my spoiler for later. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so that's good. Okay. So there's your, there's your bookish spoiler. <laughs> there's the secret. You said it. That's okay. Uh, you know, I enjoyed reading about all the farm animals because I've always been in like suburbia or an urban environment. And so like as a kid, I think I read Farmer Boy, like, I don't know, like 15 times <laughs> because I loved just the whole relationship that he had with like all his cows and everything. And yeah, so uh I love that. Oh, thank you. Well, it was so much fun to write because really those, those stories are all very much what I experienced. You know, the people that lived across the street from us, they really had no experience with animals. They just decided like, we're going to try to be farmers. And they had this baby steer that they had rescued and they wanted it to be tame. So they... <laughs> I know that sounds I, funny even to me <laughs> you know and they they had a collar with a, like a dog collar with a leash and I had to walk him every day and spend all this time with him because they wanted him to you know be friendly <laughs> <laughs> which is sort of against his nature right yeah and I was you know I was 13 at the time and there is there is a photograph that my dad took of me with Ferdinand that was the name of the cat oh, of course um, it was <laughs> <laughs> and I look like the epitome of the brooding preteen kid, like just like, I can't believe I'm doing this. But really, I did love that little guy. You know, we came to have a very sweet relationship and it was hard to leave. But um, also in the story, there is a pig named Lucy. Uh, in real life, the pig's name was Caroline. And she was just as mean and nasty <laughs> to oh, me and in the book. It was yeah, we all joke about Caroline. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was just, it's always fun when you can put stories of your own life in a book and it actually works. Cause so often, you know, authors always 
are given the advice like, oh, write what you know, you know, well, that's somewhat good advice. But a lot of times when you try to do that, it just doesn't really fit in a fictional story. But every so often you get an opportunity to make it work. And in this case, I feel like it worked and it was really fun. Yeah. I loved it. I loved that scene at the very beginning of the book when the neighbors move in and they're going over there with the, uh, with a pie. Right. Mm-hmm. And just the whole atmosphere of the fact that they could tell those people were, you know, she was like, oh, they're super rich. Like I can yeah. tell. And we had the same thing growing up. So I lived in, um, in an area where it was more like a resort town. And oh, so yeah. we, you know, there were summer people, right? Mm-hmm. And so summer people would make the Dairy Queen very crowded. And summer people didn't know where they were going. And summer people had nicer clothes. Yes, that's exactly my situation. You know? Uh-huh. And in fact, the reason I got this job was because the, the people who were uh, very wealthy, who moved across the street from us, they had a, another summer home on a lake, on a nearby lake, and they wanted to be able to spend the week there. So they would just come home on the weekends. And so they hired me to take care of their animals so that they could go to their lake house. (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. See, Um, I lived, I lived year round where the lake houses were. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, I thought that was, it was like very reminiscent of my experience. Um, So what else are we going to talk about? Let's see. Well, you said your spoiler. I did. Did there was one question that you had sort of talked about. Um, One thing that's kind of exciting about this book is there's a little sister named Ivy, who is Rachel. I mean, Rachel's. I love that Rachel is such a good big sister to this kid who's like kind of a pain and always around. But she is getting her own book. And oh my gosh. Yeah, it's called Meant to Be and it takes place a year later from when where the heart and where the heart is ends and it's Ivy's story. So at that time she by then she's 9 years old and it's her story. So it was That's really awesome. Fun. Yeah, thank you. Ivy, she's kind of she's the most not like me character I've ever written, so it was a bit challenging, but it was so much fun. So so I'm excited about that. Oh, I love it when we get to revisit a whole world. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's got to be interesting for you too to go back. Mhm. It was and it was it was it was interesting to see Rachel through the eyes of her sister instead of, you know, through the eyes of herself. Yeah. Exactly. Um so it was it was challenging but really fun. Oh, and that'll be super good. Idea. Well, that was nice. She at some point in the margin when she was editing my manuscript, she said, Ivy needs her own book. And it kind of just stuck with me. And I was trying to think about like my next project. And I, I kept thinking about Ivy. So I sent her a message and I said, were you serious about Ivy needing her own book? And she said, yes, write it. So it was really nice to get that kind of encouragement. And and then it worked out. So oh my gosh. So how long does it take from like, Ivy needs her own book to Ivy has her own book. Well, in this case, unfortunately, it took about three years. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Well, you know, there's a pandemic. There is a pandemic. And before that, I, um, I was about, I think I had finished, I was revising heavily and I had an 
I I was learning how to play roller derby and I had a, <laughs> that's so awesome. I had a terrible accident actually. Oh, I, okay, well that's not awesome. No, I broke no. my leg in multiple places and I had to have surgery and I was bedridden for quite a while and oh my um, gosh. I couldn't really I just didn't have the mind space to work on the book for a long time and then yeah. By the time I did it, it took a while to get back into the story. And then I had some other things going on in my life and COVID hit. Um, So everything just really slowed down for me. I think if none of those things had happened, it would have come a lot faster. But usually it takes me about a year or so to write a draft, write and revise a draft. Um, And then once I submit something to my editor, if it gets sold, then working with an editor is usually like another six months or so, because it can take them a long time to get through a manuscript and get you feedback. And then, you know, you need a few months to revise based on their comments. So it it is a long process. Yeah. You know, a necessary one. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, we're always we love the outcome. So we're, you know, we're patient and wait. So are there any books that you're reading now that you want to promote? I do. Um, Actually, very dear friend of mine, Debbie Michiko Florence, her book, Keep It Together, Keiko Carter, which is a middle grade novel also. The paperback is coming out this, it just came out this week and it's the, and my paperback is coming, just came out too. And so we're kind of like helping promote each other's books and she's my writing partner. We, we share our work. We have been doing this like for 15 years. Oh, Um, wow. That's a long time. Yep. She's awesome. And so uh, we're actually doing an event with Silver Unicorn Books on May 12th at 7 p.m. It's online, so anyone can join. So if you just Google our names, it should come up if you want to. Everyone is welcome. You just have to register. It's free. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, our books, obviously, but also the importance of having a critique partner and somebody who helps you through the hard times and understands what it's like when you're struggling, you know, to get work done. She was there for me that whole time during my recovery. She's such a huge source of support. And, um, and, you know, I'd like to think I was there for her during her challenging times too, but we're going to talk about all of our ups and downs. And I think it'll be really fun. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'll make sure I, uh, I, I'll find, I'm sure you posted on Twitter or something. I did, and, I, and I will again too, as it yeah. gets closer. But. That's awesome. Yeah, I have to pick that up because I missed that book too. I don't know. It was like a weird year. I I feel like I read a lot, but yet I missed so many books because they're just, I don't know. There was like a whole gap in promotion or something. Well, I mean, that's the thing. This Her book came out right when the pandemic was starting. So that was rough. And yeah. um, But it's, it's a wonderful book. And also it's part of, it's going to be part of a series of connected books. So one of the main characters in that novel now has her own book. So you can, oh, wow. here. Um, and so it's called uh, Just Be Cool, Jenna Sakai. And that is, I don't know the pub date, but it's very soon. Cause it's already, there's already an ARC of it going okay. around. Um, so, and then there'll be a third one after that. So anyone who reads <sighs> the first one and falls in love with all, it's like a friendship story. So each friend gets their own book and it's. Oh, I love that. 
I love that. I know, I know some kids that would love that. They, gosh, you know, kids love a series so much because if they love a book, they don't want to let the characters go or the setting go. I know. I, you know, one of the reasons I wrote, um, so I have a book called Jumping Off Swings. And one of the reasons that I wrote the book that comes after it called Living with Jackie Chan is because of the letters I got from kids saying, everyone in that book turns out fine, except for Josh. And you just left him at such a sad place and it's not fair. And you need to say what happens to him. (laughs) And even though I had no intention of ever doing that, (laughs) they, you know, they planted that seed, you know, and, and I, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I, I think they're right. I think there is a story there. And so I ended up writing his story. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know there was going to be another book for where the heart is. So I had, you know, I left that in my notes, like, is there a book too? But that was just like, because I always ask people, but I didn't expect the answer to be sort of yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess you call it a companion because it's not really. Yeah. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's still go. It's the same people. So I count it as a book too. Yeah. I say yes. I will approve of that. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, gosh, I think that's it. Thank you so much for visiting with us or me. (laughs) Us meaning the people who listen to this podcast. Yay, you guys. (laughs) Thank you. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bookish underscore society and on Twitter at bookish society. And of course, on our website, thebookishsociety.com. Thanks again to Chris Rieger for his audio engineering magic. 